Blog Talk Radio. I never believed it. I, I thought you were a myth. Well, I'm not. But I will tell you something that is. The belief that human beings are kind. No, Caesar. There are some. Oh, a handful, perhaps, but not most of them. No, they won't learn to be kind until we force them to. We can't do that until we are free. How do you propose to gain this freedom? By the only means left to us. Revolution. It's doomed to failure. Perhaps. This time. And the next. Maybe. But you'll keep trying. You, above everyone else, should understand. We cannot be free until we have power. How else can we achieve it? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Matthew McConaughey. Folks, listen. It's the Midweek Review edition of Afro featuring Captain Kirk. And of course, now for the duration, the Grindhouse's Grindhouse's only son, <laughs> the uncanny Daryl B. He is here in full effect. We're all live and direct. The call in number 646 915 9620. 646 915 9620. Use the number. We won't bite, not much. Give us your protestations, your queries, your statements, your disagreements, all that jazz. It's all good. It's all fine. No problema. Anyway, we've got a lot to get into, folks. Let's just get into this jam. You know, part of the machinery that is Afro Nerd Radio, we get into the urban alternative. Punk jazz, I'm discovering. I'm pretty sure the uncanny is aware of punk jazz. Punk jazz, Afro punk. Urban Alternative Music, Psychedelic Soul, Black Rock Coalition. Shout out to Vernon Reed, the mighty Vernon Reed. There's a lot of music going on, folks, and of progressive hip-hop. Anyway, let's go to this cut. This is the Procussions, the Procussions, Virginia Woolf. Oh, about two minutes. Let's groove. 
right, folks, enough of that. Once again, the Procussions, Virginia Wolf. This is the Midweek in Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk and the uncanny Daryl B. Let's just get into this. Captain, you're needed in engineering again. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Afro-nerd now. 
let us commence. And I would like to hear the rest of the staff, rest of the staff's thoughts pertaining to that. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, yeah, I definitely have some thoughts, but I want to also bring in um, our co-discussant. You know him from the Grindhouse show. I'm, so, I'm assuming at some point he will be returning for the Sunday broadcast. Uh, but for the duration, we have him for the gentleman with the eidetic memory. Uh, I rely on him for a lot of the things that I've forgotten. I, matter of fact, I'm going to have to buy probably the trade paperback for uh, the Fantastic Four's um, – the run with – with Hickman, I'm going to have to. I know I have it, but I have so many comics. I don't. I don't even want to try to search for it. So I'm just going to get the the trade paperback because um, a YouTuber had made reference to the Kirkman run, saying that if they were going to do a Fantastic Four movie uh, at the advent of a Disney buyout, they may want to go for the Kirkman run. So um, I'm going to have to get back into that via this trade paperback. Anyway, I'm pretty sure Daryl knows it, has it committed to memory. Let me bring him in, the uncanny Daryl B. Oh, duh. Now, okay, here we go. <laughs> My apologies. I have to say I disagree with that, but we'll get into that at another time. Since Captain did a Daryl, I will do a Captain. For all those young Americans especially of color, that are going to travel overseas, do yourselves a favor to whatever country you're going to, just take a look at their laws real, real quick. UCLA basketball, the Ball family, what the hell are you doing, man? Way to give America a black eye. And not like we don't have a big enough black eye in office, but wait, wait to freaking over, over a set of shades. You're going to jeopardize your lives and your career. That's beautiful. That's lovely. Real, real paragons of the freaking sport. Nice job, guys. Let's get this started. I'm ready. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think about talking about it because it, it happened earlier. And there's so many topics that, as you know, Daryl, just jump off. Um, there's another sports story that we can get into in a few moments. Uh, and, even, and even that's kind of receding. But uh, I, I, I remember mixing it up on Twitter about about the ball kid, a LeVar Ball's son, that uh, UCLA, UCLA player, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with two other players, and he allegedly robs, or I should say shoplifts, at, at not one establishment in China, but I think up to five, four or five establishments? I mean, was it, I mean really? I mean, and you deal with now. UCLA. Your, your trip is bought and paid for. You're there to play basketball, all right? You're there on an international stage for international agents with uh, some of the, the game we're going to be telecast back here on ESPN just because of the quote-unquote ball name. And you jeopardize that all for, like, shades and clothes. Get out of here. If there, if, there, if, if there wasn't a true example of youthful idiocy, you guys just created it. Yeah, well, you know, listen, I, I almost can't even get into that story because I, I remember I was rattled by it before. But I'll just, I'll just say it, say it very simple, simply that it, I've been calling for this because of the Afro nerd branding. There has to be some kind of viral campaign 
for black people, black males specifically, to raise the cognition, like to, to literally make it cool, to to literally make it cool to be thinking. I know it sounds corny as all get out, Daryl, but I, I, I as you know, um, I'm a big supporter of the Batman character, maybe to your chagrin, and, and even of course the the Black Panther character, and it has a lot less to do with their physical prowess and their and their athleticism, but their thinking. Anytime I see, especially a black person, black male specifically, but black person in general, shout out to Michael Burnham, uh, who is a female, <laughs> the character Michael Burnham. Anytime I see black thinking, black cognition in real time or in fantasy fiction, it is, it, it, it's like a thing with me. And the, the idea that we can't impart as, 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 like, the cool thing to do is to have our black men to start to be really thinking, if not outthinking, as, as a game. If you want to make it a game, I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but this stupid-ish, like, just for the sake of just being stupid, it, it, it's got to go. It's, it's not cool. Black people are always the cornerstone of coolness. I mean, literally, the term cool comes from, a, I mean, the way we've used it. Coolness, the cool demeanor, is an African term. Like, the way we use cool is, is, is rooted in, and it's rooted in Africa, to be cool. There's a reason why black people culturally conduct themselves in a certain way, and how coolness is a, is a part of it. Our, our former president had that cool demeanor, meaning... You got it like that, but you're always thinking. It's an aloofness, being aloof, but also being in control. And for some reason, this, this young set, they're not that damn cool. They think they are, but if they had the thinking, like put thinking as a thing. Anyway, it's unsettling. All right. Um, oh, now, also, mixing it up, chopping it up about uh, Marvel versus DC kind of sort of. Um, I agree with the captain that when you really get into a game, not the acting prowess, like he said, it's not about like how good of an actor you are, because actually the actors, I'm hearing that uh, the gentleman that's playing Cyborg shines. Ray, I, I can't collect, recollect his last Fisher. name. Ray Fisher, thank you. Ray Fisher, they're saying that he's he's coming off as a standout probably because of his theater training. But they're saying that he was, he was like, excellent. And, and that he is so good, people are actually curious about the, the character. So that's exactly what I want to hear. Um, Ezra Miller is kind of a quirky actor from the old school, when you think of quirky acting, like the uh, James Deans and the Marlon Brandos. You know, there's a little bit of that going on with him being kind of this, this, this weird, this weird actor. But... They're not charming. <laughs> and there's a thing about all, many of the actors in the Marvel side, they have charm. RDJ, RDJ, you can say what you want to say about him. We know about his drug past, and he seems to have beaten down those, those demons. He's a charming dude. You know, uh, Helmsworth has, charms women. All these guys, uh, Sam Jackson, he's got, he's got a charm about him. He's got kind of a... He's got a personality. 
and Marvel characters have personality. So they, they really fit what Marvel has been promoting for the last, let's say, 50 years. I'm not even going to go into Timely and, and, and 1938. I'm in 1939. Let's just say 1962. Marvel, the Marvel universe, universe as we know it, they're charming, personality-driven characters, and the actors that are portraying on the DC, DC side, DC characters are kind of wooden. What, do you, what are your thoughts, Darren, that we move to more serious there? Well, I look at this, uh, and I said it before, I was talking to a, 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 a debate friend of mine, Kev, about this. I went like, I hope the Justice League movie does well. I hope it does. Why? Because if the Justice League movie fails with the three top icons in the comic book industry. Say what you will, Marvel fans. When you go around the world and you just show the insignias of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, they are the most famous comic characters in the world. If that fails, then, yo, a whole bunch of movies will be affected if this this movie doesn't do well. Okay? So if I'm Marvel, I'm rooting for it to do well. Because uh, that that tide of positivity coming from from a movie like this would rise all boats on the same ocean. As far as the actors go, I wish them luck. Because uh, to, just to play devil's advocate for you, outside of Zoe Saldana, all right, uh, was Chris Pratt universally known before before Guardians? You know, I mean that if if it does well, you know then we're not asking where these actors came from. We were asking, well, why haven't we seen these actors before? You know, or we're happy they got their big break through this. Okay? We know what Affleck can do. We know what Godot could do. All right? Let's see the rest of the, the Justice League cast prop themselves up and and match what, they, what they've done previously. Okay? That's it. Let's roll. The movie's gonna do well, though. Well, the hey, did well. Hey, it's did well. <laughs> you know, well, it's it good. It, uh, honestly, well, remember good, it did well. Well, remember, remember what I said in the past, right? I expect that Justice League would be the film that would be the first billion and a half dollar film if done perfectly. You know, that may be that may be fanboy dreaming right there. But when you have the biggest icons in comic books all together in the same film, if you don't do at least a billion, there's something wrong. And Not I, I gotta remind, and I gotta remind you that Thor sneezed and is broaching seven hundred million dollars in like no time. You know what I mean? So it's, it's you know if you can't beat Thor as Thor by himself, I mean this is almost like a like a like a uh, death match. Like the old school MTV claymation thing. If you can't, Thor sneezed and is is about to broach seven hundred million dollars, like in no time flat. So I'm not even confident that Justice League is going to be in that in that in that bailiwick. I, I mean, I'm, it's going to make its money. There's some enthusiasm there, but when you hear like, all right, this is a kind of a moderate. I'm hearing good things that got me got my juices flowing. I'm hearing that some after credit scenes are off the chain. I'm hearing some moments. So they they have me they have me enthused, but Thor did the damn thing, no time flat. 
Well, I'm just saying. That's also why I always have told our listeners from day one, uh, what, seven years ago? I've been on here seven years now. From day one, I said, you could read all the reviews you want, but until you actually use your own brain and go and see these things, don't come, don't, don't make your, your own judgments about it. Go see it. Be your own judge. I have friends that have fallen on both sides of this and that whose opinions I trust. But it's not until Friday morning when I get a chance to go see this where I'll make my opinion. Let's roll. All right, let's rock and roll. Uh, I know that the captain and yourself, you know, your your realm of interest also goes into the sports realm. Uh, I'm I'm not so much into sports, but I'm finding myself slowly getting into it. Just it just happens. So um, let's talk about this deal. And this is much ado about nothing, but it irritated me. M- my ability to kind of see through the nonsense, to see through the nignoggery, and how. Uh, Conventional media doesn't seem to be able to do this. It makes me, it, it gives me agita. So, what am I talking about? Uh, if I'm pronouncing the gentleman's name correctly, he is a uh, veteran sports writer, Peter Vesey. Is that his name, Daryl? Vesey. Vesey, thank you. Peter Vesey puts out a tweet regarding a match a matchup between uh, Ohio <laughs> and New York. LeBron. Versus the Knicks, essentially. And there was a moment, maybe several moments, while in play a few days ago, where it was a, a testy exchange between LeBron James and uh, I, I forgot the other other players. Uh, uh, Elvis Cantor. Right. And it got testy. And then there was some, you know, S-talking afterwards. So, uh, Peter... Peter, I just you just told me the guy's name. Vesey. Vesey, thank you. Peter Peter Vesey, he put out a tweet. Now, mind you, Peter Vesey is a 74-year-old white male. I kind of gave the guy props on some level because he utilized a notorious B.I.G. lyric in this tweet. So I'm going to play this clip from uh, the Breakfast Club local radio show, but um, actually it's syndicated, so I'm pretty sure other other folks are aware of Charlemagne the God and DJ Envy, who is also a fellow Hamptonian. And, uh, of course, we have... Um, ah, who's the, 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 the female on there? Um, ah, why am I missing her name? Uh, Angela Yee. So they're, they're mixing it up. So let me see if I can um, find this clip. Now, how come this clip didn't come up? Well, here we go with the BS. Oh, here we go. All right, folks, hold on. Charlemagne, say the game. Don't get other Charlemagne. You are a donkey. <laughs> it's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day does not discriminate. I might not have the song of the day, but I got the Donkey of the Day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, <laughs> hit it with the heat. Yeah, it's the Breakfast Club, bitch. The Breakfast Club. Mm. Ah, 
Why'd you wait till then to do that? Woo! So thirsty. Donkey of the day for Tuesday, November 14th goes to OG sports journalist Peter Vesey. Now, Vesey is 74 years old. He's been around for a long time, okay? You may remember him from being a TV analyst for TBS and NBC. And I believe he's an analyst now for NBA TV. But I think at the current moment, he writes an NBA column for the NY Post, okay? Now, listen. The Knicks are kind of back, all right, just kind of. They are seven bit. and six this year. Mm-hmm. All right, they have a legit superstar in Chris Porzingis, and in typical New York City fan fashion, the fans are overhyped. Oh my God, every Knicks fan I know, from Michael Rappaport to Dizzy Merrill to my man Cass to Andrew Schultz to Loopy Blogger, you can't tell them nothing. This is Michael Rappaport yesterday on Instagram talking about LeBron James riding the subway. Yo, LeBron James is one of the corniest motherfuckers ever. Top five, dead or alive. My man, you're on the mother subway. Hold your head, Duke. You ain't at Disneyland. This ain't the mother little teacup ride. Hold your <laughs> head, cornball. No, mother Don't be putting that camera in his face, man. Because you don't corny mother taking videos like he's in Egypt at King Tut's tomb, mother You better get the off this train before you get robbed, clown. Get the out of here. Don't on me for the first New York Nick that knocks this mother on his ass tonight. Get off this train before you get robbed, clown. Drop on the clues bombs from Michael Rapp before keeping it old school New York. Okay. But this is how overhyped New York Knicks fans get. Michael said free Joe's pizza or whatever Nick knocks LeBron James on his ass tonight. Well, uh, I guess you owe, what's how you pronounce his name? Ines? Ines. Ines Cantor. I guess you owe him some free pizza uh, because he didn't knock LeBron on his ass, but he showed LeBron he ain't no punk because early in the first quarter, LeBron James got tangled up with point guard Frank. Last name I can't pronounce. How you pronounce his name? He's from okay. And, uh, He's from France, second. <laughs> and uh, Nez Cantor ran up all in LeBron's grill. And Michael Rappaport did play-by-play play on that situation. If you're watching Revolt, you can see it. But let's uh, hear what Michael Rappaport had to say. What do you want to do, LeBron? Let's go. Let's motherfucking go. Let's go. Let's get it, motherfucking go. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it right here, ass. You want to flip water bottles? Oh, break your fucking head. Nobody on this planet is more aggressive, more passionate, more hyped, and more delusional about a basketball team than New York Knicks fans. Okay, Michael Rappaport had Diddy and Big's victory instrumental playing for the 60-second play-by-play Instagram clip. Got one of the clues bombs from Michael Rappaport. Yes. Jesus Christ. Now, another reason I played Michael Rappaport just now, because that was perfect execution of hip-hop slang from a white person. Okay, nothing wrong with words like corny, nothing wrong with hold your head, Duke. All of that is perfect hip-hop vernacular coming from a white guy. Calling someone uh, a penis sucker, that's not a race thing, okay? All right, but Michael LeBron has definitely never taken a picture with your kids ever again now, okay? Go read, <laughs> go, go read Michael Rappaport's book. This book has balls. He really don't like LeBron because LeBron didn't take a pic with his kids, and trust me, that would never happen ever again. Like he called the man a penis sucker, but... That, that's a wrap. But back to today's donkey of the day, Peter Vesey. Now, Peter is 74 years old, born in New York, uh, Queens, I believe. So he's an old-school New York guy to the core. Well, he, too, got excited by Inez Cantor not backing down from LeBron James. So he decided to send out a tweet. <laughs> His tweet <laughs> read like this, okay? Everybody paying attention? Mm-hmm. 
like Cantor is going to be intimidated by LeBron, guy who stood up to Tayyip Erdogan. Imagine him being scared of an N-word who breathes the same air as me. Now listen, if you grew up in this culture called oh hip-hop, then you recognize that as a line from the late, great, notorious B.I.G. immediately. If you are culturally clueless, let me play it for you. Picture me being scared of the end of that breathe the same air as me. Now, in context, I understand why Peter Vethi would quote that line, okay? In fact, Biggs and Words Bleed is the perfect song for that moment. Why should Cantor be scared of him and, you know, be scared of LeBron when they breathe the same air? They are both human beings, so I understand why Peter Vethi would think of that song, and he used it in the proper context, but no! See, here's the thing. And white people, I'm only telling you this so you can protect yourselves. There's never a reason for you to be using the N-word. Peter, especially in that moment, okay? Now, Cantor is from Turkey. But the optics of it are just what appears to be a white man and a black man facing off. And then an old 74-year-old white man tweets, imagine him being scared of an N-word who breathes the same air as him. Peter, you were born in 1943. All right? You lived through the civil rights era. You have to know the All right. I, that was going on longer than I wanted to, but I didn't get a chance to release it the way I wanted to. But you get the gist. I think you got the full gist of it. Uh, let's let's go into this. Uh, we have a caller as well. We're going to open up the lines. Again, folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk and now the Grindhouse's uncanny Daryl B. Daryl, you know, you're a sports guy. Uh, what were your thoughts about this, Peter v- Peter Vesey? All right. There's two things here. That they don't, they don't, um, they don't, um, uh, what share really quickly. There's, there's two things. One, yes, Cantor, Cantor was not on this team last year, but in the midst of last year, uh, the government, uh, he spoke out against a, a government in Hungary, and essentially he is now a traitor. He, the, the government actually has shoot-on-site things about him, and his family is locked up. So, you know, just just to keep it, like, uh, from being just a sports thing to reality, this dude is actually wanted by his home country. That's A. B, part of the reason the Knicks are so mad at LeBron is that um, last season— one 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 of the the most played highlights was during a blowout of the of the of the Knicks. The um, the Cavaliers were flipping cups on the sideline. Literally, they were flipping cups. You know how you have that flip the bottle game that 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 kids and stuff have been doing. Uh, like it's now passe, but they were doing it while a game was going on. In MSG, so there was there's been there's been a little, I won't say hatred, but hatred between these two. Then compare that to to LeBron making a comment saying how the Knicks should have drafted um, Dennis Smith, and talking about about this, Cantor was one of the Knicks that got a little upset. But here it is. Cantor was the guy that actually tweeted about LeBron saying that, well, he should stay his own lane. Okay, so there's the stuff going on the outside of this. On the inside of this, what they're talking about involving Michael Rappaport and uh, Peter Vesey, folks, you could take it or leave it. Because, honestly, both guys are troublesome for me. All right? Um, 
But we've said it on here all the time. When you make your culture, you know, so um, accessible, accessible, there are going to be white people that are going to feel awfully familiar. All right, I, you know what? I looked, I looked at the Biggie thing. That's a cool homage. That, that's cool. That's, that's a cool homage. All right, that's no problem. The problem with that is you didn't have to go as far as saying the N word. I mean, a true Biggie fan is going to know what 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 he was referring to there. That that was was worse than LeBron. Again, I'm going to bring LeBron up. LeBron calling himself the King of New York. <laughs> you know, like LeBron, uh, get off, get off, stop smoking. You 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 and and you won a game. Okay, that doesn't make you the King of New York. Let's let's call a spade a spade here. But, again, it's something we've said here in the past, all right? When you make the word so marketable, so uh, passe to say, and you include it in everything, don't get mad when they start using it like they're one of the family. Don't get mad when they start get, feeling awfully familiar, okay? Peter Vesey only did what you guys have been doing for a long time time now you you just gave him the ammunition to use it and hey this is my chance to sound like afro nerd how did i do (laughs) uh cap any thoughts and then we'll bring in the caller i believe it might be nas from uh from georgia well 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 as down b said there's two ways to look at it you know i'll keep it he filled in all the color i'll just keep it real simple if it's not on the record in the first place, no one has any ammunition, you know? So when a white person goes in like this and tries to be slick and smart, because they could always say, well, it's on the record, you know? If it was never on the record, then when the white person says it, you know exactly what they're doing at that given point. But then when you start going like this, you start to get into gray areas. I don't like gray areas. If it have been in a fog, dark and gray, things can happen. You might take a loss, so you can't see what's going on. I don't like that. I like to keep things A and B as possible, as much as I can. So, once again, you know, as the great Dow B says, you can take it or leave it in respect to this. You know, but if it's not on the record, eh, you know, then you can, from my standpoint, you can go in. You know, but it is on the record, and then you could also say, well, he's being slick. You know, this is probably what he always wanted to do or something like this, and he figured out a way where he could go ahead and do it. You start playing them, them games. You don't really know what's going on at that point. But if it's not on the record, if he was never given the ammunition, you know, then it's real easy to go in because you know what's going on. That's all. Back over to you after that. Yeah, um, a game. As, as what um, Daryl just referenced with, you know, I'm, I'm always going into these rants over the same kind of cyclical argument, is we're inviting this kind of thing now. And the captain's uh, analogy with using a fog, how when you drive, it was an excellent analogy, when you drive through a fog, you don't know what you're going to hit. And we're, we're, we are constantly finding ourselves up against a fog where, we don't. We don't know how to. I don't know how to address this. First of all, I don't. I don't have the anger. I guess I'm supposed to have, because, um, you know, someone using this terminology in the 21st century, black or white, is kind of dated. 
But if we're gonna if we're gonna keep it one hundred for this man who is of mature age to be able to be hip enough to accurately apply and reference a Biggie Smalls lyric, you gotta give him some props for just that. The fact that he's aware of that lyric. But you, you know, you we're putting out like Daryl said, we're putting out this culture in the in the universe, in the corporate the corporate universe, I should be more specific. You're putting it out there as product for someone to buy. Just like if I buy a pair, a pair of shoes or a pair of sneakers, most specifically, you can't stop me from customizing my sneakers. If I buy a new car, you can't stop me from customizing my car. So you sold, just like we used to, we used to sell, quote-unquote, niggas in, the real, in real time. Now we're selling niggas metaphysically. It's, that's what's going down. And black folks want to act like this isn't the like you know he, he has it out. Matter of fact, he quoted he's quoting something. Usually, you can get away with anything if you're quoting from somebody else. He's quoting a lyric. So, <laughs> I, I you know I, I'm I'm flabbergasted that people still have these rules when we're not being honest that you know when Ta- when Travis Scott uh, trap rap artist, when he invites a white fan on stage to recite one of his enlaced lyrics and both of them the, the fan and the artist are, are, are smiling in glee why, not, why aren't you getting on Travis Scott for, for that effort? No one says anything This is the oh. end result of non, this is the end result of the corporate Nonsense with with us black collusion, Darryl. and and uh, I'll say this, and this is the only time you'll hear me agree with the Breakfast Club. Okay, anybody who watched this game, I was listening to it partially on and off at work. Okay, realize that Michael Rappaport and Peter Vesey are getting worked up in a game where the Knicks had a 23-point lead and blew it in the fourth quarter and lost on their home court. They're puffing out their chest when essentially we pulled in Atlanta Falcons and blew at an yeah. insurmountable lead in a quarter. <laughs> that's, right? a good, that's a good one. This like, like you, you, uh, you, you uh, Captain knows. I've always said this. Okay, you Same have to, choo- you know, you have to choose your battles. Okay, or but if you choose a battle, you better make sure that the hill you die on isn't a mountain. These guys again worked up over LeBron James when LeBron James essentially did a Jordan 2.5, not just Jordan 2.0, 2.5, and played otherworldly and blew our out in the fourth quarter. They scored, I think, was it 43 points in the fourth quarter cap? Yep. <laughs> I mean, if you scored 30 points in the fourth quarter, that's a great accomplishment. They scored 43 points on my team on our old court. And these white dudes are getting worked up about LeBron James. Listen, if your team doesn't win the game, he could talk all the sh- he wants to talk. Why? He punked us. Damn. All right. Damn. Let's go. Let's go to our resident Georgian. I think this is not not is that you? For a yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. What's up, man? How's it going, well, sir? Yeah, I'm good. What up, what up, chap? 
Uh, look, man, the next fan base is one of the tragic fan bases out there, man. The, the victories and glory are really, really strong. Oh, I'm a little muffled. Let me move a little bit, man, because I, I definitely want y'all to hear me talk about them. I'm okay, to talk bad But this is a franchise that drew confetti about going to the second round. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so... So it is what it is, man. Hey, hey, let me call you right back, or let me uh, put me on hold. Bring me right back. In a okay. few, you can. Oh, well, we can well hold it, hold it. Nas brings it up. Let me go. I have a whole list of complaints with the Knicks, but here's the three glaring ones for the last ten years. Okay, last ten years. To to just so just so people keep a scorecard on it. Okay, one. I got to bring up Jeremy Lin. Okay, people who've heard me on WFAN talk about Jeremy Lin know that I'll never forgive the Knicks for that. Okay, oh. all right. Here is an Asian brother. Okay, lifting up the team spirits when our two of our top players, Carmelo Anthony and Smith, were hurt. Okay, he literally brought a newfound buzz back to MSG, only to be disrespected by the team. Say we don't need them, all right? We never needed them, all right? And, the folks, until this season, we never got to those heights again that we had during that month run with Jeremy Lin, okay? Two, we brought in Phil Jackson. You essentially handed the whole organization over to Phil Jackson, only for him to say, well, I'm not going to travel with the team, and um, I'm not here to coach. I'm just here to be in the front office. And essentially, you let him run roughshod over this team for years. Okay? And three, and it's the big one. We are owned by James Dolan. Dude has run this team into the ground. He has forced real basketball player, uh, people in the organization to leave and leave screaming. We have become the laughing stock of basketball under this dude. He had Isaiah Thomas. And as we are talking about sexual allegations in Hollywood and stuff like this, let's go. not forget, let's not forget the black guy that the Knicks still suffer because of the uh, Isaiah Thomas thing. And kids at home, if you don't know the Isaiah Thomas thing, look it up. And then, then ask yourselves, after reading what Isaiah Thomas did, how can the dude still be employed by the Knicks? Matter of fact, the Knicks put him in charge of the Liberty. Ah! Anyway, anyway. <laughs> All right, let's, All right. Let's, bring All right. let's bring back Nas. All right, Nas, I bought Nas time. Let's roll with this. Make it better. But, yeah, yeah man, the Knicks franchise, as you heard, uh, is a great franchise. So they don't have these, these issues to where they make these small things into, like, rivalries when they're really not rivalries. So, yeah, LeBron was trolling them, had a lot of fun. He remembers the comments from Phil uh, when Phil talked about his posse. So he threw a few shots about their front office. Yes, they should have drafted Dennis Smith instead of the French kid. That was a stupid move, a Nickian move. But they gave Tim Hardaway $70 million, so they took him from Atlanta. And we're so happy he's up there with y'all. We really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, thank you. 
Peter Vesey, who I grew up on, man, he's always been a clown. So, I mean, this is a Vesey one-on-one. Uh, yes, he used the, the slur in a clever way. But that even makes it worse to me. Like, the fact that you sat up and tried to figure out a way where you could get this in and it not be taken uh, how it would be normally taken. And then remember, he's outside of uh, the old club like he used to be. He used to be, you know, one of the main guys, uh, head beat writer, you know, main press guy. Now he runs a Patreon, and he's kind of on the outskirts, so he can actually get away with this. And something like this actually gives him a little heat, which he needs. So it, it, it was really calculated, really, you know, to, to me, it's, it's, it's like beneath him as a dude who's accomplished as much as he has as a writer, kind of kind of beneath him to have to kind of, like he's got to stoop to this to be able to get views now. Like that's how bad it's gotten for Vessi. The point about uh, Inez Cantor, though, yeah, Inez Cantor's from Turkey, and he is definitely not in support of the president there. Now, that caused some serious problems for him. Uh, they stopped him from uh, getting his visa and traveling uh, one time where they had him stuck in an airport because uh, they were holding his visa. His father had to come on the news nationally in Turkey and say that his son is an embarrassment and he's ashamed of him because of his comments. Because, hey, man, your father's still in the country, bro. Be careful. Be careful. That man almost had a coup attempt. Uh, ain't no telling what he'll do uh, for any type of slight. You know what I mean? But uh, the, 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 the comment as far as Cantor going at LeBron, this is what you do when you become a new Nick. Like you try to be aggressive, take that Oakley and Anthony Mason mind state, and it makes you a fan favorite. When he comes out tonight, that dude's going to get five minutes of applause. Like they're going to love Cantor now because he so-called challenged LeBron. Uh, as far as Michael Rappaport, like, come on, man. Like, are people, people still listening to Michael Rappaport? Like, people find him interesting? <laughs> like, he, he, he's not smart. He's not witty. He's not funny. He's just like regular sports fan dude that gives you regular sports fan tapes. Like, not really well thought out, not really cutting any new ground. So, I, I don't even get the idea that people are actually listening to Michael Rappaport. Uh, the point about the N-word, though, Afro nerds, you know me and you are going to definitely uh, split roads on this one. Because I look at it like this. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't like the Colts uh, analogy he was bringing up before. But, you know, there are in-group and out-group conversations. Now, if you're around some friends who've accepted you as a person to use that word, then around your, those friends, that's fine. But black people, like all other people, are not a monolith. There are going to be some people who get upset who might want to hurt you if you say that around them. So, you know, you just got to be careful. And that goes for every other group. If, some, if you're around a group of Italians and they speak to each other in a certain way, you using that language, if you're in the group, maybe they let it ride in that inner circle. But that don't mean every Italian is going to be cool with you saying whatever you say. The country singer, Trace Atkins, I think his name is, or whatever his name is, calls himself Rich White Trash. Now, if I call him Rich White Trash, he might want to punch me in my face. Then that's, that's kind of understood. I'm not in his inner group. So... I, I don't go into this whole thing about the N-word, we should be offended and mad and all that, but other people feel that way. So, you know, there's going to be people who just won't accept that, and that's just the reality of life for Better every group. Like, this is not an N-word thing or just a black people thing that people try to, you know, kind of reduce it down to. That's just, that's just how groups operate. Uh, and when you step into that group, it, it's, it's best to kind of know the rules before you get there. And, well, that, well, you know, that goes for all of us. Especially well, listen. When you're talking about mixed company. It, it, uh, it's interesting you, you're going to bring up uh, Tanasi. Tanisi uh, was a Tanasi coach. 
Tanasi coach, because I was going to segue into that because he uh, goes into the same, in my estimation, same trope, same critique that you're going into. He expounds on it, and I still have to disagree. So what I want to do, I'm going to push you on hold. I want to go to a quick groove just to take a break, and then I want to go into Tanasi because he he expounds on this whole notion. And uh, guess what? He's asked a question, asked a question about the N-word usage again connected to a rap situation. So here we go again. The corporation selling you <laughs> this word for public consumption, and now black folks are upset. I think it's wearing thin, and I'm going to prove it. So well, hold it on. Really hold, hold, hold on. We got to go. To, we got to do our break thing. I'm going to bring it back. We got to take this quick break. Uh, you know what we do? <laughs> we don't do the Breakfast Club thing here. We try to raise the raise raise the the, the impressions here. You know, raise the frequency. Pardon me. So this is a new. Well, not really that new. It's maybe a year old. I really like this cat by way of the UK. Go figure. Benjamin Clementine, nemesis. Give me about two minutes. Nemesis. To write that. Really? <laughs> but, well, that's the name of the song. Nemesis. Okay. okay. Benjamin, you dig it. It's your kind of thing, uh, Daryl. It's our thing. Hold on. Damn straight. Right back. Darling, today everyone left have you. 
my wife with her girlfriend will use the word bitch. I do not join in. I don't, you know, say, hey, I want to... I don't do that. I don't do that. And perhaps more importantly, I don't have a desire to do it. You, you understand? You know, um, a while ago, Dan Savage was going to have this uh, show that he was going to call Hey Faggot. I'm not going to yell faggot at Dan Savage. I'm just not, that's not my relationship with the LGBT community. And, and I understand that. And I'm okay with that. I don't have a desire to, you know, uh, uh, yell out the word, you know, faggot. I just don't have that. Um, the question one must ask, if, if that's accepted and normal for groups of people, we understand that, you know, it's normal actually for groups to use words that are derogatory in an ironic fashion. Why is there so much hand-wringing when black people do it? Um, black people are basically, you know, however you feel about it, they're not outside of the normal rules and laws for humanity. I had a, you know, a good friend who used to have this um, cabin in upstate New York, which he referred to as the white trash cabin. He was white. I would never refer to that cabin. I would never tell him I'm coming to your white trash cabin. <laughs> I just wouldn't do that. I, and and I, you know what I mean? I think you understand why I wouldn't do it. The question one must ask is why so many white people have difficulty extending things that are basic laws, you know, of how human beings interact to black people. And I think I know why. Um, when you're white in this country, you're taught that everything belongs to you. You think you have a right to everything. You have a right to go with you. I mean, you're conditioned this way. It's not, you know, because you, you know, your hair is a texture or your skin is light. It's the fact that the laws and the culture tell you this. You have a right to go where you want to go, do what you want to do, be however, and people just got to accommodate themselves to you. So here comes this word that, you know, you feel like you invented. And now somebody will tell you how to use the word that you invented. You know, well, why can't I use it? Everyone else gets to use it. You know what? That's racism that I don't get to use it. You know, that's racist against me. You know, I have to inconvenience myself and, and hear this song, and I can't sing along? How come I can't? All right. You get the gist. Actually, he's, he's going into the territory that our friend from Georgia goes into. So I'm going to bring him back. I'm going to bring in our friend from the DMV, 703, uh, Bison or Black Ronin. <laughs> this is Bison. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well, man. Nice to hear from you. Um, to hear from you. You know we're gonna slap you around on Saturday. We play Hampton Saturday. Here oh, we go. Yeah. Start it up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we go from one sports thing rivalry for another. Let's let's stick to this thing, man. Let, let's. Um, I already I've said my my piece on this thing ad nauseum since the show's inception. That and I don't know why it's. It, I, I don't know how you can deconstruct my argument. If, if, if this, it's one thing for for Todd Nasty to go into this whole thing about interpersonal relationships and, and how other ethnicities have their rules, that's pretty much understood. I mean, I'm not going to uh, go to an Italian friend of mine and start going into uh, Italian uh, derogatory talk. I don't have that kind of relationship. Everyone else seems to be able to do this. But they're also not as ubiquitous with their pejorative terms as black folks are. Black folks open up the, or play a role. They have dirty hands 
it's like you come to court with dirty hands. You can't come to a, a legal situation with dirty hands. You can't go to a cop and say, hey, someone stole my weed. You, you look at you like you're crazy. And people do that, by the way. So in this case, you can't come to the, can't come to the, to, to the game with dirty hands when you sell somebody a product that goes into this, this, this N-word Tourette syndrome. It would, years ago, I think when black folks used it more politically, they would use it as, as, a, as a bullet for a specific reason. Now it's used every third word in modern hip-hop. And, you, and hip-hop is an international product that you're inviting people to. It's a product that is also a culture that you're selling. And when somebody sells something to somebody else, you can't tell somebody what to do with what, to the product you sold. It's not the same as going to your, to your, cook, your, your family's cookout. It's not. So he's being disingenuous about the effery that corporate hip-hop is. You can't deconstruct that, though. Try. Yeah, I, I think if you if you allow me to talk without the mute button, I, I think we can do actually just that. Uh, the thing is, like you, like Good right luck. now, right now you're framing it under like some type of tradition or some type of lawmaking. When we're just talking about culture, which you really can't put a net on or dictate to. So the fact that you don't like that word, and a lot of other black people don't like that word, don't use that word how they police themselves around their immediate circle and the people they come in contact with, those are going to be the rules there. Other people feel differently. Like all people, black people are not a monolith. So at a certain point, we become an old man shaking our fist at the moon when we start trying to say all black people should conduct themselves in this fashion. Now, it would be nice if we could have some type of orderly fashion or one type of, you know, uh, thinking as far as, you know, getting going forward. But that doesn't exist. So I think that your argument is, I want the world to be this way. My argument is, this is the way the world is. These are the rules that are laid out. People can use that word uh, in, you know, in groups that they're not necessarily in at their own peril. There are going to be some people who get mad enough to punch them. There are going to be other people, I think, who, who fit under the line of you, who would correct them and say, look, I don't use that word. I don't like other people using that word around me, and just simply move on. And then other people would engage with them on it and really see that as some type of, you know, bond within their friendship that, yeah, that person can use that word around, around us. But th- this whole idea that, oh, because hip-hop music does this, therefore all black people must now, you know what I mean, uh, accept this as a detriment on black folks. Like, you're not responsible for little Uzi or whatever damn rapper name to use, what language he chooses to put in his songs. So why would you think you're going to be able to dictate that, man? So I, I, I think you're making the argument that uh, of the world you want to be in. But, man, we got to live in the world we are in. And culturally, you're not going to shift that. Nobody on this line is going to shift that. This is the way things are among groups, and nobody breaks that. And, and if you choose to break it, like I said, you know, sometimes there's going to be consequences. Can I let's counteract to, that? Yeah, let's go to Bison. Please do. Um, a few years ago, you all, I'm sure you all also of a certain age, but Dance Hall from Jamaica really made inroads into the United States. Shaba Ranks, Beanie Man, oh, Ad Cobra, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, I'm talking about mainstream, you know, regular R&B stations, even some Patra. pop Patra. stations. Patra. What happened? <laughs> what happened? I know. In Jamaica, <laughs> homosexuality... <laughs> Was really frowned upon. I mean, if you come out, you will get killed. 
and several artists let known their feelings on how they feel about homosexuals. Nearly overnight, dance hall went away from radio completely because the powers that be who happen to be of a certain persuasion or maybe even a certain religion made it disappear. Okay, another was translate A, we don't own the culture. Okay, Deber, you're a sneakerhead or a retired sneakerhead like myself. I don't know if you are familiar with a company called Complex. Oh it yeah, yeah. Started out as it started out as a magazine and now it's sort of a lifestyle, you know, online a massive presence. online presence. And, you know, they curate everything, you know, they, they even have a con out in, in California complex con, you know, they got everyday struggle. I mean, they just sort of all over. I'm very familiar. But they talk about the hip-hop culture, but nobody black is working there or reporting on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's obviously like jazz and other things before it, black people have a problem of we don't curate what we create. We move on to the next thing. And I think that's what happened here. A certain generation moved on and, you know, and through whatever societal uh, markers you want to use, we just let certain things slide. I mean, when I came up, you call somebody inward, you 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 fighting. Like yeah. if you call somebody dark skinned, blacky or whatever, you gonna get your butt whooped. But we've reduced the meaning and there was no there was no retaliation for using it. And I'm in I'm in Debert's corner now. I just think A you know, it's like herding cats and it's just sort of you know we've just that 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 that, that causes loss. Because we there's no Heft behind it if we get behind it Because first thing I want to do is just say Well look at hip hop but then again at the end of the day we I went back to the complex thing We don't own the culture White people Own it Jews own it Complex on YouTube They have a session they have a series called Blueprint it's about various yep. People in the hip hop industry Who risen and almost To a person it's some white or Jewish person from Long Island or somewhere who was hanging around, hanging out around black culture on the margins, on the fringes, you know, use mommy and daddies, whatever, and now they become um, culture ambassadors. And that's our fault because we let everybody well, well, in. Well, well, let's, 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 I'll take you a food to the complex, uh, Genius, uh, the site where people go to get hip-hop uh, basically interpreted for them. So it's kind of a form of uh, people on safari to a degree and figuring out what hip-hop is saying. So those mm-hmm. are the people you're talking about, but remember who's to blame for this. Uh, the black middle and upper class. Those people who told the hip-hop pioneers this is a fad, this won't work, we won't invest in it, we're not going to sign you, we're not going to have you. So they walked across the street and uptown to those other companies, and now those people own the lion's share of this billion-dollar industry. So we're going to talk about the blame there. We're not actually talking about the creators of the music. We're talking about the people who actually own companies and were in a position to acquire this whole genre of music and chose not to make the same mistake that we made in the past. And now I guess we'll wait on the next genre that we come up with and see if people are interested in ownership. But uh, I, I think you got, like, I think Bison, in making his point, I think he came to the conclusion that I have. 
he made the statement, uh, it's like herding cats. Because we can talk about hip-hop, but let's talk about our everyday conversation. How many households is that used in? How many, how many text messages today are littered with that word because that's how the majority of us talk? And you guys, honestly, uh, with the whole policing of that word, you guys would be the outliers in this situation. That's why this, this word it never got uh, never got sanctioned to a degree. When C. Dolores Tucker came out and Tupac said what he said about her, who did people side with in the black community? Like, let's be honest about this. Let's not make this, this is all hip-hop. I think that was an age thing. This is what we say thing. in our community if we're talking about the majority of it. So I, I think policing language is uh, no matter what, man. It, it's not going to work. But the idea that black people are monolithic and now everybody needs to get on brand over this word, it's like, man, there's so many other things we could be getting on brand on. And I, I always look at power no matter what. If we're talking about black power, then we're just having a conversation about grievances to white folks and begging for them to make some concessions, which Let me bring in Sergio. Sergio, welcome, man. I always uh, appreciate when you come through. Your, your thoughts. Well, first of all, you know how I feel about coats anyway. Um, coats is just the latest variation of the uh, person who the white establishment picks to explain black people to the world. Mm. Before then, there was um, uh, Henry Louis Gates. There was uh, Cornell West. There was uh, briefly Tavis Smiley. You know, the white establishment, they like to go around and find somebody to explain to them what black people are like. Like, black people are these strange aliens from another planet, and we need some sort of interpreter or a guide to help us explain just how, I would almost said that for it, just how screwed up black people are, you know. Uh, can you give us some guidance? Because we don't know. Because every time we speak to a black person, we have no idea what to say to them. Because it's so weird, you know. Can you help <laughs> us? Can you help us, Mr. Cole? <laughs> you know. So, um, it, it, in some ways, I agree kind of with what everything what all you guys have said. In, in a, but still, regardless of that, I can agree with what everything has said. Um, the fact that, you know. The reason, the reason why white people are so confused is because we have allowed this word to come out and used in ordinary language and everything, and now white people are confused. I saw this is a word I wasn't never supposed to say. I, I can't. I remember a few months ago I was on the subway, and if you know Chicago, North Side is predominantly white, and I was going taking a train up north, and on the car I was at. I, the car was in, um, it was just all these white puppies, all these guys, you know, women, right? And it was this one other black guy who had an iPhone, and he had it, he wasn't wearing earplugs, so he was blasting the music, and it was, nigga this, nigga that, nigga this, nigga that, nigga, and I go like, <laughs> great, here's a car full of white people, and the only other black guy, aside from me, is this dope who's blasting this rap music? <laughs> and of course, I go I, I look at especially the white people. They're like half scared and half befuddled. They can't figure it out what's going on. And the point of fact is that Debert is white uh, to a large extent. The fact that since we have allowed this word to be such common usage, that of 
course white people are confused. Or that's where you have incidences where now you, you probably saw the video of San Francisco where this white guy starts berating a Asian guy on the train, calls him a Chinese nigger, and slaps him in the face. <laughs> Wow. And you're like, well, you go and you go anywhere. It happened yesterday to trying to identify the guy and arrest him. Um, and interesting, it was a black woman who came up between them for this guy to stop. Um, but you know, I'm sure there'd be discussion like the guy was drunk, he has mental problems. But where did he even? Come up with the idea first of all in the first place to attack this Asian man and to call him those words. Well, that that is here's here's the funny thing and and I, this is my old man on the porch moment. If you buy an iPhone and you buy an Android and thing, and you don't have earphones and you play your music loud, I will grab your phone and step on it. I'm just saying, that is one of the most annoying things in the damn world. Well, you see, you see, you see, you see, Darryl, you see, you're a New Yorker. You see, you can do that. In Chi-Town, in Chicago, oh, you try yeah. that, you're going to get shot. Yeah, forget that. <laughs> can I say something real quick? Yeah. Hey, Gieber. Go ahead. Gieber. A problem is there's no repercussions from using the word. If I use a couple of words describing a certain... Um, religion on your podcast. If I went on a rant, oh yeah, blog sure. talk will blog talk will flag your channel. They will flag your channel. And the same thing with the f word describing homosexuals. But there's no you have, you notice what's bleeped and what's not bleeped on television now, and on music they don't bleep the n word anymore. Why? Why should they? I mean, this, this is the deal, man. You, you're going to you're going into my world, and this is what, what what it really boils down to, and it's very important, is that every other ethnicity, as you just stated, there is a repercussion. There's a price to pay if you get if you if you don't put if you don't put respect on that name. If you don't put respect on that name, there's going to be a problem. Except for black folks, and we don't understand that we're coming into the game with with uh, dirty hands. It is a product, it is a ubiquitous product that is sold internationally. It's not the same thing as going to your, 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 your relative's picnic. It's not, a family, it's not a family picnic. It really isn't. It's a picnic you're yeah, selling. But and, and, well, let me finish my point. And it, we, used to ha- we used to not be this confused about this thing. See, this is more recent, let's say in the last 30 years, because I'm fully aware and have participated in it. I was on I was on a Hamptons campus, but it was more in house. It wasn't in your music. We're not seeing other ethnic groups playing with it. Jewish folks are not going to play with the K word. When Michael Jackson tried to play with it, he was Michael Jackson, the biggest pop artist the world has ever known, still wasn't powerful enough for, for Jewish folks to slap him around and say, No, you're not doing that. Black folks we we have a schizophrenia about it, and it's an embarrassing. We we've got we're so surgical and schizophrenic that we make distinctions between G A with a hard hard E R versus hell uh, the the cracker culture that had it G R A. There's G R A. There's G E R. There's G A. 
It sounds like a madhouse. It's ridiculous at this point. And also, we you have this gener- a, a generation that will tell you, well, the GA means something different. So if it, it either it means something different or it doesn't. Because if a white person says nega, and you already said that it means something different, then why are you get why are you hating on a white person that didn't call you the quote unquote with the hard hard er? He calls you with the ga. This is the definition of madness, and you're losing the argument when you say that this is an in-house term. It ain't in-house if Homeboy downloaded courtesy of iTunes. If I download something on iTunes, I have the right to say what the F I want to say because I bought it. Yeah, see, that that's the point you're still missing. You keep talking about a right. Yeah, you can say whatever you want to say, but that doesn't mean your interactions out here in the world won't have consequences. In some cases, you're going to get dapped up and treated like, hey, man, yeah, this dude is cool. And in other cases, somebody might swing on you. So it's, it's just the differences no. out here in culture. This, and as far as this being, hold on, hold on, because you want him to let you, let me let me finish. And as far as you saying, okay, this could be, you know, an indication of, of how uh, raggedy our culture is to a degree. And I would agree with that part. Like, yes, the fact that we can't sanction anything, the fact that we don't have uh, continuity about things and we can't sanction anyone, I think that directly speaks to our inability to uh, kind of circle the wagons. So when we have Herman Cain out saying tor- terrible things about black people, he hops the fence and gives us a finger, and black people have to accept it. <laughs> On the other end, when you've got people using the N-word loosely in other companies, there's no black organization or people who can sanction them, so yes, they can get away with it. But having these conversations uh, is still on the outskirts of what we're dealing with as far as reality. And reality is those consequences I talked about. Now, you can, you can say whatever you want to say about how it should be, but once again, if a white dude in Atlanta tonight calls somebody nigger, if he's not familiar with those people, things could get ugly. Those people don't agree with you. Those people don't agree with me. And we are not going to change their mind. So to go through this whole, you know, scolding and telling them what they should do, I, I mean, I don't get it, man. Like, this is old man talk to me. Like, this is the culture passing us by and us getting upset about it. No, no, no. What, what we're talking about is other people don't have this problem. You, we can't be outliers for ad, uh, uh, for ad infinitum. You're making it seem as if black folks are so distinctly different than other ethnicities. You would not have this conversation in the Jewish community, in the Italian community, in the Chinese community. It's only black folks Correct. that have sold it out like that. And we didn't – it was not always this way. And black folks cherry-picked their – they're disgust because on some things somehow we figure out a way to pull things to pull the cord we, we we're not consistent with it we have to be angry enough in other words if we're angry enough we will do something but for some reason we're very lax with this because we have a set of a set of internal issues where we have our younger people they're going to tell you it means something different that they're, they're creating the they're creating the confusion but everybody else doesn't. If, it can't if be we just black, black people. people on this, how many people would be on the side that that you're that you're talking about right now, on your side on this? I, I think I think more people will be on our, on our on my side if it goes into why people are confused. When you no, start to explain, no, let me finish because no one because because no one when you hear Tanasi coach, first of all, you have as as uh, as as uh, Sergio stated. You have these, these leaders that are actually fops. 
someone someone Christianed Ta Nasi to be this uh, black safari guide. This is what he is. He's a safari guide to explain black people. But the reality is that uh, if you tell people, because the argument is never goes into hip hop as a product. You never hear that. We go to mm. the cookout. We go to your your cousin Pookie, and that, that's not what we're talking about. We're, ta- we're talking okay. about we're talking about the product on the shelves that disrespects you. Because if a white man see if 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 uh, if Eminem comes out tomorrow and puts out a record that says inward inward inward, trust me, we figure out where our where our our balls are. <laughs> And what, what, we, what was we the girl's some, name, Def Loaf, who had the song about Killer N-Word, and that was played on major radio, uh, Pliers, or whatever his name is, had the song with crackers in it, and you didn't get spin. So, yeah, that's clearly, clearly out there as far as we don't sanction our own. The like problem is black ride. folks. So I would agree folks, with that. Black folks are mutually selective, okay, when oh, it yeah. comes down to their outrage. That is the problem. When we really feel... In our heart, usually when a white man stings you, see this is this is an internal conversation. When Blackie does it, you don't know what to do. But when Whitey does it, all of a sudden the forces come out. That like that discrepancy is at the heart of all this thing. And and we can't. Uh, yeah, we, and we, I would I would throw air quotes around forces come out because actually you're talking about the coalition of banking and the coalition of negotiation. Like there's no forces. It's still asking people. And even in this conversation, we're still talking about asking people. There's nothing we can enforce. And Doug Coates' point, uh, Coates' point, I think was well put. But I want to add this with Coates. Never forget, people studied Coates and read that reparations paper so they can have information to go argue with their family members. They went back for holidays with Coates' information, beat the hell out of those family members in political arguments, and then those family members went alt-right, voted Trump, and said, take that. No, I don't know American history. Take that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was coaching. They don't want reparations, but they wanted the ammo for their argument. D Bird is mad at Coach because Coach went to Howard. But let me, let me, let me, let me. <laughs> let me <switch laughs> <word. laughs> Let's switch the word out, gentlemen. Sergio, everybody. What, why don't we replace the N word with the B word? Nas, let's say you added somewhere. And I see your mother and say, hey, how you doing, bitch? What's your reaction then? Well, I'm swinging on you. Does, okay. Yeah. What's the difference? Okay, but, but, the, but does the N-word, does N-word does not elicit the same response? And I'm exactly. being facetious. I mean, I know, you know, I'm just doing this for conversation's sake. Mm-hmm. But we're from a culture where if you attack your mother, you, it's a response to what you just said. That was the same word, the way with the N-word. Years ago, I don't want to, you know, get, you know, I'm a man of a certain age, so it is what it is. And you're both right in regards to what he's saying, Debert, is that argument's passed. And what Debert has said, you know, it's our fault. And that's where I think we just kind of get into semantics. But how do we reclaim it? How do we reclaim it? Easy. You go after the gatekeepers. Because and as the gentlemen like Daryl, Debert, you guys in New York, you know we ain't the gatekeepers of this culture. 
That's why I brought up the complex analogy. When you go to all these radio stations, you know, the Breakfast Club, all, you know, they may have a black face in front of the camera, but all the decision makers behind it are, black, are white. That's or, true. Well, yep. you know what? You know what I, I think. I think if black people listen, if black people really wanted to turn things around, I believe they could because either we either we're not or we're going to just go into oblivion and die. While you're breathing, there's got to be a way to get back your pride. We've had movements before. Now all of a sudden we don't know what a movement is. We've had black pride movements. We had civil rights movements. We had abolition movements. We had all kind of movements, but right now we don't know what to do. See, that, that, that way it's thin with me. When, when, when the stakes were actually worse, we knew what to do. Now we've, we've backed off on the pedal. Now we don't know what to do. I don't believe that. Because I, I've, I see yeah, so I, many. I, I, yeah, well, hold on. I see so many. I see so many. I see so many. Well, hold on. I see so many instances. I'm surprised sometimes when I start to look at these, these documentaries and go into the past about what black people used to be concerned about and how they would shut things down because. There was this sense of, which is now has become a, a, a bad word or a bad term, respectability politics, which is something else that I saw that Todd Nazi Coates also went into. They're going back and forth about how bad. Let me tell you how crazy black folks are. I'm looking at this. This is what makes me insane. Uh, I didn't have enough time to get this clip. But I think in the same program or maybe another program, uh, another uh, outing of, of Coates within the last couple of weeks, he goes on and on. Uh, he and his interviewer go on and on about respectability politics. That re- you know, black folks don't have to abide by these rules. You know, damn respectability politics. I mean, respectability politics is some bad word for some reason. He so he says how bad it is, but then five minutes into the program, he talks about oh well, you know, uh, we have all these black folks that aren't acting right. And I wish, you know, we, we had Alan Iverson on one minute. You know, he, he, he goes into this rant about re- black folks that kind of present themselves a certain way and make you feel prideful. And then the other set of the lower tier black folks that make you put your head in shame. So I said, wait a minute. You just said you don't like respectability politics. But then you turn right around and say, well, why are these black folks, certain black folks acting, presenting themselves? Like, what he cares yeah, about his book about Obama. He said, Obama made you feel proud to be black. You've never had to wince. That any time he was um, speaking or presenting himself, he showed the very best. And unfortunately, there's a set of black folks, and, it, and if he lamented all these other these, these, these black folks that when they present themselves, they suck. And I said, wait a minute, Negro. You just had a, you just, you had a problem with respectability politics. You had a problem. That's what, that's what, that's what respectability politics is. So people don't. I, yeah, I, well, accept, well, I, 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 I like I respectability politics. Yeah, I, I just think respectability politics is not actually politics. It's the idea that if you conduct yourself in a certain way and you look a certain way, then other people will treat you in a different fashion when actually, no, the absence of power allows other people to treat you in a different fashion. It doesn't matter how you look. How you dress, how you talk. The, the issue is power, and we get confused when we start trying to figure out ways uh, to trick people. So I, I think respectability politics is a dead end road at the end of the day. But at the same time, you should conduct yourself well. You should dress well, not because you're trying to convince anybody anything else, but for yourself, for your own uh, 
damn confidence in how you feel about yourself. It's just for that reason. But to think that that's a political tool or something that would advance a group of people, I think uh, that's where that just starts to fall apart because it makes no sense. And as we know, when we go back through these different periods, hell, we watch well-dressed people get beat down all of the time and lose at the negotiating table uh, because it's about power and leverage, not about uh confusing folks and getting them to like you because you do it so well as far as dress speech and everything else. So I, 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 I can't roll I, I, on that, but I didn't I, I hear that. that term is like hotel. Yeah. It's just an overused <laughs> thing that started on Twitter and just took a life of its own. Right, right. My, my, my problem with it is that uh, it, it, the caveat that no one wants to talk about is that respectability politics is, is so connected to pleasing white people. That as long why – why should I go for an advanced degree? It's just going to please white people. Why should I speak properly? It's just going to please white people. Why should I get a job? Why should I respect my wife? Why should I take care of my kids? Because they're going to respect white people. Why should I pull up my pants? I mean, this, you, we can go into complete cyclical absurdity if you think that every move you make is to please the white man. No. I told you ad, ad nauseum, I want to use the West African, uh, the West African standard. Let's use let's use the civil 1964 uh, civil rights standard. Let's use the 1930 uh, Harlem Renaissance standard. I don't believe in uh, pleasing white folks. I don't think I don't think things are white because uh, intelligence. I'm t- talking about having black intelligence. We got this Black Panther thing coming out. Let's get a black sci-fi thing going on. Let's let's do what we need to do black style. No one talks that way yeah, because we're so, so we're, we're, we're so, ca- we're so hold on hold on hold so, on man hold on we're so caught up Indeed. in whiteness that we don't we don't think that we can't make something a black thing. Intelligence really doesn't have a racial connotation to it, but for the sake of branding, for the sake of motivating some of these black people, well maybe we need to have black intelligence, black genius, uh, whatever you want to call it. But if we're always connected to whiteness as as how we make a move then yeah i would agree with that but you do need some kind of standard that's my point yeah creating standards is important too like i wouldn't disagree with that but my whole thing is when you talk to these people about these things especially like he said it turned into a twitter thing respectability politics but when you talk to these people you see what their aims are that's actually what we're talking about normally we're talking about people who are concerned with how other people look at them as far as uh, other groups and they could there are people who can get embarrassed by another black person uh acting badly when it's like no you're not responsible for the behavior of every black person and if you carry that burden around you're gonna go crazy looking at stereotypical black people who are letting you down when it's like no dude you, you can't carry that kind of burden and be responsible man that's, that's that's way too much man but we got to come to some conclusion about this idea that movements go on all of the time. Some movements live, some movements die. But we, we can't just think, okay, I'm going to measure everything by the worst of us and then just apply that to everyone. No, nah, in, in the midst of poverty and ignorance, we also got brilliant genius and innovation. So like every other group, and, and the American malaise, every, every group here, has taken that on, which is why first and second generation immigrants come over here and kick normal, lethargic Americans' asses until they become more Americanized. So that's another aspect there, the cultural Americanization of groups. Hey, Nas, you just make sure Keisha Bottoms get elected mayor in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, hey, quick thing. Um, quick I, I thing. smell a neoliberal there, man. I don't know if I trust that system, man. But she did have a uh, a program to stop gentrification uh, in certain areas of old Atlanta, where some of these elder, old black black families have some of these, you know, these views, nice houses. Uh, she did try to stop that. So I mean, that was a good look for her. But I don't know if she's just more Kareem, you know, Kasim Reed, and more the same. And uh, some of y'all HBCU brothers, whew, these uh, diet Obama, man, y'all are dangerous. I want to say <laughs> something. I'm surprised Deeper <laughs> mentioned. He didn't mention in this one. Is class. Um, usually, mm. usually use that word class within our community. And I think um, that can be that can be a um, that can be a danger pit to go into, but every other community has it. Um, yep. You know, you won't you won't find, even though Duck Dynasty is popular, and you know you can look at Trump, but you know you're not gonna have you're not gonna have people in the swamp dictating the um, the moral the moral whatever of, of white America. You're not gonna have. But we're the only people where the the and we can argue about. You know, you can compare it to early blues or whatever and, and what have you, but we just don't have the least common denominator, you know, you know, at the top of the music and fashion or um, taste in, in the community. You know, and I, well, I just think it, and it is what it is. And, 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 and look, look, I, well, what I don't like to see is we're more than hip-hop. Jesus Christ, man! I mean, right. it's, it's it's more to life than rapping and, and playing basketball. I mean, even corporate America's bought into that bull crap, and well, other races know, aren't buying into that. I um, mean, wait a minute, was black someone black calling me? Someone mentioned my name. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Serge. Yeah, I did, but you know, <laughs> yeah, by, by the floor. Okay. Floor. No, I'm done. Serge, no. go ahead. No, no, someone was going to ask me a question, I think. I think it was Captain Kirk. Yeah. Yes, there's a question. Uh, I was planning to switch gears, but... <laughs> Sir, uh, yes? Did you see Justice League yet? No, there was a screening last night here in Chicago. I couldn't make it. Uh, okay. From what I heard from my f- friend who was there... Um, he wasn't all that enthusiastic about it, but it wasn't as bad as you feared. <laughs> All right, Jesus, they can't get it together. Right. Nothing. God, man, DC. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> gee, I don't know. It's like you know, as Daryl mentioned, you know, he thinks the film could. Did you say the film could do a billion and a half? Um, I, I don't think there so. has been a DC movie that has grossed a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, Marvel has. The the Avengers movies have. Thor will very soon gross a billion dollars. Wow! Um, uh, <laughs> you 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 still you still uh, the, the still biggest grossing movie. I tell you, the film that probably will do it probably will be Last Jedi. Let's, oh, and yeah. I'm talking about I'm talking about domestically in the United wow. States alone. It could actually gross a billion and a half dollars. That's that's going to be crazy. Yeah, well, don't forget, you know, Force Awakens grossed $940 million in the United States alone. No film, it, it, no film has ever grossed that kind of money. It beat out Avatar. Um, and it did, I don't know, close to 
$2.5 billion worldwide. But uh, if Last Jedi, if it holds up, I mean, if people, if it, if it, if it delivers what it promises, and also there's the uh, Carrie Fisher factor, you know, um, I was, I've been talking to some people, they think that film could do a billion and a half just the United States alone. Well, what my again, my again, it's a selfish thing on me, but my my main premise on this, and anybody who's been a long time listening to the show knows, anytime anybody labels me a DC hater, anytime anybody goes that way with me, I have said this from the jump about a Justice League movie. You have Wonder Woman, you have Superman, and you have Batman. All right. Those three symbols alone are the three of the what? Three of the top five most recognizable symbols across any business. You you can put the bat symbol or the Superman symbol up anywhere in the world over the last forty years, and people will know it. Okay, you have them in a movie together. You need to be making dollar. Well, we'll that see. Movie. You know, I don't. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, no, I think um, that's that's the that's 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 You know, that's 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 that you that know. even Warner Brothers didn't have faith in. You're coming off that good buzz, okay? This is where the reshoots, I didn't have a problem with the reshoots. You're going to try to build off the buzz of that movie. If you don't have quality in this Justice League movie, and you don't get past that billion mark, and like I said, I'm going billion and a half. I'm shooting for the stars on this, okay? Well, let's if see. you don't I, do you it. You know what? We'll have to see. We'll see. All right. Let's, you know, let's, let's we move, we will see. Anything is let's, possible. Let's, it it could happen, this. but we'll see. I will tell you this. Here's a little question, trivia question. Okay, and once again, this is a bit unfair because we're talking about uh, uh, adjusted for inflation. But what is still today, what is today the biggest grossing film ever made? Probably, uh, yeah, going with the win. Yeah. Still is. Just for inflation. All right. Uh, every let's, let's every film will have to still catch let, on to that movie. Let's move forward a little bit because that's this, we can get into this on the grindhouse when when I will see it Friday. So we'll we'll get into it towards the weekend. Let's let's, move, let's get out, get out of this. I do want to talk about the Alabama Senate thing for like a second, but even that I'm kind of just I'm tired of crazy molesters getting getting uh acknowledgement but that's the hey if your president if your potus is crazy it stands the reason that an alabama judge who wants to be senator is equally as crazy it's that time it's not really shocking but anyway we'll talk about that in a minute what i do want to get into this is kind of to to the person on our on our line who's from georgia uh now did you hear about this 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 event called come beat a black person are you aware of this thing called Come Meet a Black Person? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, can, can you yeah, explain this? Uh, well, I, I, would, I would say that, that represents Atlanta Wells, one of the most segregated cities out there. It's really odd uh, just how everything 
kind of is put together as far as 285 kind of separating everything and the distance between, you know, the people who they don't want in certain areas where all the new stuff is built, uh, being built and, uh, you know, the jobs are and things like that. And this could make sense in Atlanta. I could see somebody greenlighting something like this and saying, yeah, that's a good idea. And, of course, the good old liberalism of people trying to get their bona fides of uh, being nice to black people. See, we threw an event. You're going to meet a black person. So uh, you get a bunch of white folks in the room and they start talking about diversity. I think these are the kind of ideas they'll come up with. So, yeah, that's... Can I ask a question? Who are going to get to be the black person? (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, there's a whole whole lot of black folks in Atlanta who would sign up for something just like that. Oh, great. Uh, Y'all know how popular Herman Cain is down here. His radio show does numbers, and it ain't all white folks. Well, I just, I just, I just placed the link in our chat room, the Washington Post article that unpacks on this thing, and it has the the, the founder of the of the uh, organization that is promoting this event. Take a look at the founder, and maybe that might answer your question. She looks like a crazy person, Cheryl Mosley. Hey, um, hey, I think you need to give a little context. Um, no, it's not really in Atlanta. It's in, isn't it in Gwinnett County, which is north of Atlanta? So that's not as it's not as chocolate right, right. Well, it's not Atlanta. Atlanta proper, but that layout that I, that I explained, like, that's from the segregation era, and it's kind of just taking the same shape as far as how this city interacts. So the white people in Virginia Highlands, Buckhead, and all these places, and the only black people they'll actually really interact with are the help on the job, maybe, or people in traffic. But you can completely avoid seeing, you know, black people and, and still be working uh, in Atlanta proper and then driving out. Uh, back home to wherever you live in, in one of these spaced out enclaves. So that's that's what I mean about Atlanta, man. It, it's it's weird. I, 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 I have to say I totally agree with that because I have friends in Kennesaw, and I went down to visit them about four or five years ago, and when I went to the hotel or the motel or whatever we consider Holiday Inn to be, you know, I go there to, okay, this is my room. People look at, are you sure you're in the right place? I looked around like, yeah, I'm sure I'm in the right place. Like, <laughs> like, um, this this is Georgia, right? Is it weird to see somebody like me over here? And then within a day of going down to the local sports bar, like half a mile down, walking down there and hanging out down there and stuff, I noticed right away that, um, <clears throat> I'm kind of different here. This is kind of funny. I haven't felt this way since the army. Like, wow, I truly am the only black person in this place. Holy crap! So yeah. Let me let well, me. Well, Ebert, I'm let's... I'm looking at the picture of this woman as you suggested, <laughs> Cheryl Moses. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly feeling those platinum blonde dreads. I tell you that yeah. right now. She looks crazy. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Let me read a little bit of this This just for our listening audience so we can kind of really get into what's going on here. It says, people in Lawrenceville, Georgia, have been invited to come together Thursday for a two-hour networking event. They'll get a a name tag, go through introductions, eat comfort foods such as chili and cornbread, and and they've been told they'll get a chance to meet a black person. Wow! Cheryl Moses. A black woman who founded Urban Media Makers, a group for filmmakers and content creators, is sponsoring the Come Meet a Black Person event. She told the Washington Post that she wanted to do something different for the group's 16th anniversary. 
All right. I usually don't want to. I usually don't talk a uh, talk a certain way. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go because I'm an honest person. Uh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold it. I, I, newsflash. 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 This is something for all you guys in New York. Debert, Daryl, Captain Kirk. You got. I just got this invite. Uh, it's a special event going on this Saturday. Decided the 18th, right? This yeah. Saturday. Thank you, Reverend Sharpton. This Thanksgiving, <laughs> okay. we had so much to be grateful, including right. 50 years of Stop. Reverend Al Sharpton's leadership. Big event, <laughs> which is going to oh. take place from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. At National, at National Action Network. I got the invite. Why did he send it to me? I don't know, but I'm sure you guys would like to go. Sir, Hell and none of us know. have yet to throw Hold a up. shoe at Al Sharpton. Hold on, oh, sir. God. Sir, when I when I need toilet paper, I will print out that email before it to me, and I will use it for that purpose. That's that's, half, the, that's half our problem right there. So let, let me say something that, that I don't normally go into, because I have southern roots. I, I am a a a northerner to the core, but I have southern and midwestern roots. Some things are just country. These are some these are some country. I, uh, all respect to Nas and all that stuff. This is country, and you got and actually you got country folks up north too. It's like a mentality. Funny. I I am not I am not going to put myself in a position in the 21st century to be some damn uh, black museum piece for white folks to look at. Hey, look at that! Well, which, which I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Are we crazy? This woman Get over out under, to Georgia over Gumbo. Under on the times he speaks so you speak so well. Uh, will be said that night. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean this, this is this is. Listen, there was a there was a black fool, <laughs> right? There was a black fool. I don't know if I mentioned this. I, I can't describe it any other way. See, this is the reason why the N-word internally will never go away. There we go. Okay? The N-word would not go – I don't really disapprove of the N-word if it truly is a in-house term. And sometimes I may speak truly in-house. So I'm not going to do it here, but in-house way, right? There was a, 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 some, kind of, some kind of gathering of the Klan a few weeks ago or something. This is on video. And some black guy, a black fool, hugs one of the Klansmen and says, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me, dog? I, I was like, this, listen, I know you brothers online have a problem with respectability politics. I'm sorry. You have, to, you have to ride with me on this one. That man should have been taken, should have been taken out of back and given an old-fashioned ass with him. This man listen, said, listen. this man said, why don't you love me, dog? I'm listen, like, to a, there, there, to a Klansman, wait, I, wait. are you <laughs> there, there, there are more Clayton Bigsby's and stuff than you even realize, okay? I have met some, and yeah, I, I, you know, it's just like, like, like Jordan Peele said at today's news, what made you think that Get Out was a comedy, Golden Globes? You know, that sort of thing, all right? Well, we have just talked about the last 30 minutes, 
is more truthful and on the nose than you realize. We as a people are fragmented, but we got to understand, you know, we got to understand that these brothers and sisters, their hearts may be in the right place, but they truly don't know a lot of black people themselves to be even doing stuff like there's no brother or sister going, bro or sis, think this out before you do it. There's none of us that will go there and keep them in check, you know, to, again, for black people that think Al Sharpton is this hero of New York, Tawana Brawley. Enough said. Well, 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 take it beyond Tawana Brawley. Take it to what Bison said earlier when he brought up class. Now, he brought up the angle of we should be taking, you know, the directives from the, the people who are hurting the most and have the you know, least amount of a real critical analysis. But we also got to bring up that upper and middle class black folk, that group of misleadership who has run our political machine for the past 40 years, who has run our business industries for the past 40 years, who are risk-averse, don't want to develop the talent that is local to their area, and actually run away while other groups come in, pick up the talented black folks, lead the rest to fall into the pit. Now, if we don't critique that class, what are we really doing? Which is a great point. It's a great point because this bourgeois group, right, who are, we're tight. Right here, and let's show you how real black people do it. Don't know real black people themselves. So, and, and I think, the, 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 the one-upmanship on Twitter of those folks, uh, they're the ones who clowned poor black folks growing up, and now they use poor black folks as a shield uh, and a way of saying that they have this, this sort of assumed blackness. So, yeah, I have a Ph.D., but I like trap music, like that whole trope that, that they kind of throw out there because there's so, so much in need of, of some culture, some connection. So they just invent it. I let, let hey, it, sounds like, it sounds like Hampton, doesn't it? it sounds like Hampton. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even hearing that. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I read the boys and I listen to Migos. Yeah, okay. Let me speak to uh, John Hutton, our friend John Hutton from the from the left coast. He says, Black guy hugging a Klansman like that, he's my hero. Just to see the Klansman no. wet himself would be priceless. Nah, bro, no, nah, that's not how it works. This man was asking <laughs> him, he was asking him, why don't you love me? That's like a plea for acceptance. No, 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 no. I, I, I wish I cared what that Klansman thought about me. I, I don't even know. Exactly. I, I'm in a different universe. I'm in a different universe. Not, I'm not pleading. First of all, I love myself too much for, on real, real talk. But for me, for, but for me to beg for, for for acceptance from some racist and like, why don't you love me? I mean, that that that's a hard. Listen, he's probably the key member of this come be the black person effery that I'm looking. It's the same kind. Of, it's the same kind of mentality. I mean, I, I don't no have dignity. to. I don't, yeah, no yes, I mean, I'm not. I'm I'm special, but I'm not special. Okay, I'm special. But I'm not, I'm not special to the degree where I am an oddity where you have to meet me. My name is, my name is Afro Nerd. It's Desmond. Hey, what's up, bro? I don't do the racial thing. This is, this is the 21st Listen, this is the 21st century. I mean, uh, white people got to stop pretending like black folks are like odd. I'm sorry. We're not that damn odd, and I don't look at white people in wonderment. I mean, you know, listen, I, I'm, in the ba- I'm in the corporate stall with you, so I know you're human. Trust me, I know you're human. 
Okay, you, you. this is going to get me banned from blog talk, but I got the perfect analogy. You know who this black brother is, okay? He's standing outside in the rain, outside the Klan meeting, holding up a boom box over, over his head, playing Let's Stay Together. <laughs> That's or, or what this dude is doing. I think they forgot that Klansmen would string your ass up, man. <laughs> There's no love there. That love is gone. But this is a, this is okay. the problem when you teach MLK is only a love moment and the civil rights movement was about getting your enemy to love you instead of realizing that no, there was some tactics and strategies and some points and other points that weren't. But the whole idea that you can make somebody who is dedicated to hating you and sees you as the problem in their damn world uh, that you're going to convert that person with love. Like, that is the most undignified, begging, raggedy position anybody can take, man. There's nothing respectable about it. So are we going to ignore ignore the elephant in the room, and that is fewer and fewer black fathers in the home? Can Can we make a linkage with that? I mean, what it if is. you had a father and uncle gave a damn, you know where in the hell he would let you out of the house um, with that kind of mentality. Yeah. Dad, where are you going? I, I, I never push back on the fathers in the home. I just always say that's a result, not the start. The fathers aren't in the home because of what? Mass incarceration, unemployment, raggedy conditions, raggedy relations between us as far as men and women, all of these different things that lead to it. So you fix those things, then you fix that problem. But if you start at that problem, you just keep saying, "Okay, well, what's wrong? Do we need to have counseling? Why do we need? Why? Why you leave that girl? Why don't y'all stay together?" Nah, man. you got to go back to the source on that one. And I will, I will say too, this woman, this group may have good intentions with doing this function. They may have good intentions, but. Just how it comes off, you know that there wasn't many of us in the room. Say, say we're going to have a meeting of the mind. Say we're going to have a coalition meeting. Say we're going to have a community get-together, all right? But don't say, well, we're going to meet a black person. What? Come on, Daryl. Daryl, the same thing goes at comic conventions when we have these diversity panels. It's all, oh, it's all white people. No, it's like, oh, there are black people who actually draw comic books. There are black people who actually write comic books. Come on and meet us. Don't tell me it doesn't happen because it does. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold it. As you bring that up, let me let me just say let me just say this, right? There was a, a Black Comics Month panel that I attended on the Friday of New York Comic Con. All right, and T. Franklin, very outspoken person on the panel, just goes. Thank God I'm doing one of these things where I actually have people of color up here, all right? And and folks laughed at it, but I sat down and I went, you know what? That's pretty sad because I've seen uh, diversity panels. I've seen women in comics panels where you don't have color and you don't have women up on the stage discussing this thing. So uh, we can laugh at it as a joke and stuff, but Bison, you're 100% correct because this is still a problem today, and that is wrong. It's 2017. One, one more well, thing. It's 2017. If we don't change the power dynamic, this is what you get. And when you talk what, what, about what, liberalism, they never hit what, the right note. Well, listen, listen real quick. Real quick, because we got about two <laughs> minutes remaining, so we're going to have to shut down things, unfortunately. That's how we do things. Get real hot. 
when it's like two minutes left for the show. But I, I just got to say something quickly. Uh, with what Nas has just stated, I mean, that power structure stuff, I, I hear you. But at the end of the day, all we have is us. We, we had us 100 years ago. We had us during segregation. And we seem to figure this stuff out. So I think some of what you're saying just doesn't hold water for me. Because I'm not waiting. Okay. For, for, I'm not, no wait, let me finish my point. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not waiting for white approval. There's nothing stopping us from doing certain things. Now that uh, the, the head white man, uh, Donald Trump, is in charge, all of a sudden black folks are, are opening up uh, uh, savings accounts. They're getting back more into, the, into their finance. They're going into HBCUs and record numbers. I mean, all of a sudden, when the pressure's on, courtesy of this racist, now you, you figure out what to do because you have no choice. When it was segregation time, you really didn't have a choice. You had to have your own baseball team. You had to have your own hockey team. You had to have your own hospital. Now, all of a sudden, when the white man's water is colder, you, I'm going to go over there. You had Black Wall Street in 1930. You don't have it in 2017. Come on, man. It's wearing but, no, but no worries. GQ made uh, Colin Kaepernick there one of their people of the year. And the funny thing about that is almost immediately, what does People magazine do? They put Blake Shelton on their cover as the sexiest <laughs> man alive. Well said. All right. Uh, gentlemen, as always, man, it gets this damn hot. Uh, we'll pick this up again later on. Uh, of course, this Sunday, we, uh, unfortunately, we don't, have the, we don't have the uncanny, but we have his doppelganger. We're going to get it I'll in. I'll be tweeted. Just, yeah, well, I noticed you're still, you're still there in spirit. So we're going to get into this thing about the Justice League. So, uh, you know, I, I'm wishing the best, gentlemen. I'm wishing the best. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a good time anyway. It's been real. Sunday, 6 p.m., uh, going out. Sharon Jones at the Dap Kings. Matter of time. Sunday, folks. It's been real.
people. Oh, just a matter of time. 